Oh, there it is. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Yay. Hallelujah. Holy mackerel. Everyone, Jordan's here. Hi. Jordan's here. <laughs> Hello. Oh my goodness. It's good to be here. It's good to have you here. We just spent 42 minutes <laughs> trying to get it to work, but we figured it out. So that's awesome. Ain't technology grand. <laughs> I tell you. Um, so I so everyone that's listening to this podcast, I'm really excited because today I have a really phenomenal guest. Jordan is a dialect coach and he I ended up meeting him because I took a class of his at the pit in New York City and it was so much fun. I had a total blast. And oh my gosh, you blew my mind because first <laughs> of all, you can do so many accents. It's insanity. <laughs> oh, you. you are so talented and, and obviously so passionate about what you do. How did you become a dialect coach? What led you to this career? Oh, wow. That's, it's a lot of luck. It's a lot of people supporting me along the way. But it starts with my parents because I was I was basically just an infant and babbling and doing all crazy sounds. Uh, my dad is Israeli, so I learned Hebrew kind of early as a kid. And then I was exposed to English. So th those sounds were always kind of around me. And then when I got to high school, I took four years of German um, with Miss Kretikos. Vielen Dank, Frau Kretikos. And so I got some German and then I went to college and I could either continue with the German, but it was only literature at that point. So I decided, let's start over with a new language. So I picked French and then I took three years of French, uh, Madame Sergent, merci. And so now I had all these sounds of language working for me. So I had Hebrew and German and, and French and obviously English. And so I was like, I'm, I'm making all these sounds. I could do all these accents. And I, I just gravitated towards that. And I always... I always had, you know, normal jobs, like I got marketing jobs, corporate jobs, but I would always impersonate the bosses. And uh, <laughs> it, was, it was always so much fun. And everyone kept telling me, oh, man, you, you missed your calling, you missed your calling. And I guess after about 20 years of you missed your calling, you know, it, it, it finally dawned on me, like, I really should do this for a living. And uh, when I did that, when I decided to just not be half in marketing and half in dialect coaching, when I just decided, because I was doing it on the side. Uh, yeah. And and it was it was funny because, you know, I remember my first my first lesson that I ever gave as a dialect coach. And, I you know, we finished and uh, I, it was Boston accent. I remember it well. And we finished. And and I was like, so I, I don't know how much would, would you pay for what we just did? And, and they were like, well, I, I've got five bucks in my pocket. Um, <laughs> God. Mm, oh, oh, sure. Sure. OK, why not? Because I remember like being so excited that, yay, I'm doing this. I'm getting paid for it. It's my passion. So I think the, the short answer is I, I've been doing it a lot. And, and to just yeah. commit to it and say, I'm going to live, breathe, eat, sleep, dialect coaching. Like, I remember one time thinking that way. You know, I was trying to get into that mindset. And I, I went into a restaurant and I said, what would a dialect coach do in a restaurant? Like everything I do, you know, like, what would a dialect coach do? So you look at a menu and the dialect coach would see a thing on the menu and maybe it's a French restaurant and maybe it would be like coco vin, right? Like rooster in the wine sauce. And so <laughs> everything you read, it's, it's as a dialect coach. It's in French. You know, how would they say that? Um, you know, cheeseburger, Frankfurter, right? Frankfurter is the German. So there's language everywhere. There's dialect coaching everywhere. But I think for me, the last piece that I needed was linguistics. Once you explore linguistics, you can kind of give terms to what it is that you're doing 
so I can just say like here, uh, talk like this and uh, make this happen. But mm. there's a, there's a thing that's happening. What are the things that are happening? First, you're dropping the H and happen, right? Happen. What is happening? But also, mm-hmm. what is this? So you're making that th into a voiced z. Um, mm-hmm. And so if you use terms like that, and, and I, I always like to, uh, linguistics can be pretty boring, uh, but I always like to take the fun from it. I work in fun and positivity. Those are my, my medium. You know, uh, Rembrandt has his oils and Van Gogh has his, uh, his paints, right? So yeah. my medium is fun and positivity. And I, I love always, that. Yeah, <laughs> I always like to, to work in it because I, I don't see the point in saying, no, that's, that doesn't sound right. I see mm-hmm. the fun in saying that was great. Like just change this one thing, but otherwise that's great. And I always like to start from a place of what do you already know about this accent? And then we'll take it from that point. Cause if you're starting from zero, that will be a different journey and a different individual yeah. journey to get there. than if you were say already French and you wanted to learn a French accent, I think at that point I'd be like, yep, you're good. <laughs> that's awesome and you are really good at teaching and obviously passionate about it um so that's so cool because you got to kind of merge your two like things you really love you love dialect you love language and then yeah. also you love working with people teaching exploring in- inside of fun and positivity that's so juicy <laughs> yeah I love I just love projects I love seeing a good project um and if if we're lucky enough to have it in the writing process that's a dialect coach's dream come true because if you want to create this world of what was 1960s ireland like right so now you you have to write like that you have to write Mm -hmm. as they would write um if you brought a dialect coach on you might say oh you know what this word would be a little different like they might say this a little differently um but even fictional worlds right i i see all these fantasy like elvish and klingon and all these fantasy worlds um in game of thrones there were a ton of them dothraki right so to have a dialect coach on hand would would actually paint that world for you because it's okay what would this person say how would their words be you know it's it's just like a comic book illustrator you know you're kind of but with language right well words words create worlds (laughs) i like i mean as a lit major so i remember do you know doing like lit theory reading a lot of lit theory and it was like that's like a chair is not a chair unless you call it a chair like it doesn't exist as chair as you say chair and a step further somebody once said like if the if the human knee were shaped differently then chairs would be shaped differently because mm-hmm. you think about it you sit at the knee bend right so if you, if legs look differently then chairs would have to look different too wow oh my gosh yeah i love how when you are teaching different um accents you really focus on like the position of the mouth and the tongue yeah. i remember when we did the irish accent yeah. in your group class and you said the tongue like drops back and comes forward and it so clicked for me in my head it was just like making that connection to the body um do you feel like that's an important part of learning accents is sort of also finding the body posture and for like sure that's yeah, called oral posture or vocal track posture so that's part of it you know think about how a whole accent would change if you just did something like move the jaw forward, you can't see right now, but I'm moving the I'm moving the jaw forward. So now if you move the jaw forward, everything you say is now in this jaw forward kind of position. And it changes wow. the whole accent. But now let's let's see where that takes us, right? If you have jaw forward, I might be thinking of a drill sergeant, right? Jaw forward. I might be <laughs> chewing some tobacco. 
right? If I'm <laughs> chewing some tobacco with my jaw forward, now uh, I just did my, my instead of my. I'm chewing some tobacco with my jaw forward. All of a sudden, now I've got this little thing happening here with my with my S's, right? My S's, the tongue's a little curled up. My S's are curled up with the tongue. My jaw's forward. It's a kind right. of like a, it's almost like a sling blade kind of character. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> forward. And if you think about it, if my lip is already forward, right, it's so easy for me to close, right? So I'd have a lot of mm-hmm or a lot of sounds like that because it's almost closed. But that was from doing one thing, just jaw forward. Look at that world wow. that that just created. Yeah, there's a whole world. Oh my God. <laughs> it's so fun. Wow. So what are what's one what are some of the exciting projects you've gotten to work on or accents or dialects you've gotten to dive into for projects and for what you do? They're all exciting. I love all my children. Uh, but I, <laughs> I just worked on one recently actually that was very fun. It was um it's called 27 Club and it's with Phoebe Matana and she's I actually met her at, at the pit too. Oh, by the way, when we say pit, we, the people's improv theater. Yes, um, people's improv theater. And mm-hmm. uh, she so she wanted to do kind of like a British rocker project, the kind of thing where it's like this famous rocker uh, is 27 years old and she comes to the realization that Janis Joplin, Kurt Cobain, like all these people, Jimi Hendrix died at 27. So she wants to like go out on her 27th birthday, but Instagram stream the whole thing. Uh, so that's the, that's the thought of it. So she's like mega rich, you know, she's in this great house and in, in uh, this in Manhattan, this wonderful house. And uh, she invites her brother. So it's kind of it, it's like she's got an entourage of people. She's got her brother that's pretty much in it for the money. Uh, she's got her assistants that are like yesing her to death. But the whole the whole movie is like she's this British rocker that wants to go out with a bang. Right. And live stream the whole thing on a 27th okay. birthday. So they needed a British rocker kind of accent. And um, so they called me in and, and we worked together, her and the brother. And uh, because we wanted to decide, like, OK, what what kind of accent is this going to be? Because if you just say British, that doesn't really say like there's so many different kinds of British. But they decided mm-hmm. that they wanted to be the kind that that drops their final T's. So like if you said, like, instead of no matter what. Right. That'd be an, an RP. Right. No matter what mm-hmm. you're aspirating that T. But if you said, like, no matter what. Right. So like instantly that takes you to a place, right, where you're kind of doing this British rocker. And yeah. Like, like the the movie The Rock and Roller, right? So that's yeah. uh, they had that accent in that movie, Rock and Roller. Um, you're dropping the R's already, that's British, but that they wanted to take it to another place. And then when they felt that accent happening in their mouths, it just took them off, like off to the races. And that just kind of was like, Oh yeah, yeah, they would say so then we went to the script and we went one the line and I said, you know, I think I would they would say that instead of that. And like, yes, yes. So things like right away, right? Straight away. Or, you know, uh, my friends, my mates, right? So you can make that British automatically. Um, And so things like that just lend themselves to so much fun. And then doing that, they were like, oh, my God, oh, my God. What if, what if, what if? And so this brainstorming (laughs) happened in the writing process. We were so lucky. So that when I just showed up on set, it was just like playing. You know, they I showed up on set. I said, all right, let's go over all the stuff. Let's run through the script. Do you guys have any questions? And they're like, no, it's great. It feels great. And that freedom that it felt great, let them really be able to play. Because ultimately, with an accent, you want to have a point where you could say anything in that accent. I like to divide it. Even, I remember even when I was a kid, I divided it into three classes. Like, uh, I, I would do impressions. And so I would have, like, a third class impression is, like, you can only say one line, probably from a movie. 
in that voice. Right. Right. So, so, you know, go ahead, make my day or whatever in that voice. A second class impression is you could say that line in the voice and then you could say some other stuff, but it might not sound as good. Um, But a first class impression is one where you could say any line, anything you want in that accent and it sounds great. So I always try to get my clients to first class, right? There's no, you know, you're you could say anything you want. And part of the way to do that is there's two parts of the brain. There's one part of the brain that's doing memorization. So you say that there's these lines, these drills, but the other part is just talk, just talk in the accent and just have fun with it and see what happens. Go on that journey and see what happens. Is there a certain thing where you stop yourself and your brain might go, Oh man, it's slipping into Scottish and I didn't want it to. Well, that's cool. What happened in that sound? Is it that sound that reminded you of Scottish? Because there might be some overlap in Scottish, Mm -hmm. right? And it's not all the same. But there might be that one sound that sounds like Scottish. So rather than just slipping into a different robe, stay in that first robe and see what happens. They're both robes. They both have pockets in the front. So there might be some overlap with Scottish. But if you just think about the set of rules that that one robe has, and and again, I'm using robe because accents are just putting on a robe, you know, it's just like slipping into something more comfortable. Um, But if that has rules, then the second robe, might be a little different it might be terry cloth instead of tweed or velvet whatever but it's still a robe you know so there's always overlap there but just to be able to explore that and say whatever you want in any accent it's so empowering oh my god it's so fun and i wonder too if um character accents inform characters like i was playing with a jewish grandmother accent from brooklyn And i did i made some footage of her and i was playing around like in her and all of a sudden I mean, I did have some costume on, so I, you know, there was that added element, but it was funny how, like, I just started doing things that I wouldn't normally do, but it was just informed by how I was talking and what I was wearing. And it just started becoming like, you know, this character just started kind of taking me over. <laughs> yeah, no, I love it. What I, what I loved about you was that you had, so this was on my Instagram live show. I do at five every day. It's a, and I don't know if I should do it every day. I think it, I, it needs to be still be special, but um, yes. what I liked about you is that you came on and you were willing to play, right? So from the, from the get go, you're willing to play. You're willing to kind of be, be the water that, that flows, be the clay that molds. So that's a wonderful trait right there. Mm-hmm. And then you came to me and said, like, you had this vision. You're like Bro- Brooklyn, uh, Jewish grandmother. So mm-hmm. like right there, Brooklyn means New York. But then when you said Jewish grandmother, that's different than just a grandmother, right? Cause grandmother mm-hmm. can be from anywhere. Jewish grandmother, I'm thinking of my bubby, right? I'm thinking of, you know, <laughs> all the Jewish guilt that came with not eating her gefilte fish when it was so gross. But I was like, it looks like brains in a jar. I'll eat it anyway, right? So all those memories came flooding back and, and that just paints a picture, right? Mm-hmm. And so once you say Jewish grandmother, now you're talking about, <laughs> right? So you're from Brooklyn, you're talking about eating your softest food, right? And, and Safta might even have an accent, right? World War II era, like maybe that kind of thing. So we were just playing around, but I loved your willingness to play. Yeah. I loved your willingness to just go with the flow. That just is such an asset because a lot of times people get in their own way and they might say, oh, geez, I don't, I don't want to try that. I could, I could sound terrible. <laughs> right. I, I well, yeah, if you don't try first, do you think any 
Olympic world champion athlete on their first try did a medal worthy run. No, they had to <laughs> fail. They had to fall. They might have to break a few bones, but thankfully with accent, there's no bones being broken. Right. Um, <laughs> but it's always just fun to play and to, to just mess around and explore this, this crazy world. And, and you learn in the process, you definitely learn what it's like to, um, to make a sound and like, uh, no, that wasn't it. So yeah. if you go, go back, take a step back and say, okay, wait, let's, let's do that better. So if you have the right instruction, then you can just say, oh yeah, so this is what you're doing in the mouth, right? And this is, try doing this, try sliding this from here to there. And like, it's just so fun to, to be able to play. So thank you for, for playing. Yeah. Me. Oh my God. Yeah. I love that you have that foundation of play that works for me and I'm sure it works for a lot of people, but yes, it can be scary learning something totally new. And I kind of wonder too, um, I feel like what I love about acting. So I have one question that I'm curious okay. about. Okay. Is there a time when it's inappropriate to do an accent? I mean, I know like we live in real, like, you know, new times and yeah. black lives matter and being aware sure. of culture and cultural sensitivity. And I mean, there are certainly yeah, certain accents that I probably wouldn't try to do just cause I feel like, Oh, maybe that would land as disrespectful, but I always wonder right. about that. Like what's, what's, what is your take on that? Well, my take on that is think about the intention behind mm -hmm. it. Think about the reason you're doing it. If you're if you're doing an accent to make fun of a culture, that's not coming from a good, authentic place. Mm -hmm. That's you're making fun. So if you're making fun, chances are that would be offensive. Right. Um, however, if you're let's say you're doing a book report and you want to do a book report on this country and you're learning about their culture, learning about their language, learning about their history. Now you're really putting in some time to mm -hmm. do that culture some justice. Now, if you find that there's a sound that might maybe they have trouble making, look into that. Why is that 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 sound is hard for them? Well, it's probably because in their language, their native language, their L1 language, like linguistics people would say, um, they don't have that sound coming mm -hmm. to American English, their L2. So what happens when you don't have that sound and you're trying to make a sound? you do the closest thing. So it's called an approximate. So if you do a sound that comes out, so like, let's say, let's say we're doing TH, right? So mm -hmm. TH is a very American sound. Uh, tongue on the teeth, the, 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 or voice, the, the, the. So I can think off the top of my head, the only other country that has this is Greek, right? Because Greek has the theta, right? Mm -hmm. So marathonas, right? If you're running a marathon, which, which is probably going to be canceled this year. But uh, if you're running marathonas, you already have the theta sound. Mm -hmm. So you can do theta already. But if you didn't have the TH sounds, what might you say? You might say suh. You might say za. Like, I'm thinking about this. Yeah. Right? German or same in French, right? I'm thinking about this. So if you don't have that sound, now you have to make an approximate. But I would say things that are reductionary, you know, all Scottish people are cheap, you know, or whatever, like mm -hmm. all Southern people are right. So that's reductionist. That's going to be offensive. But look, if you spent the time and you really learned about the culture, learned about the history, learned about the language, you've already done the work. So the people that are hearing this will now hear a more informed version of what you're doing, mm -hmm. uh, first of all. And that's they might say, wow, they really took the time to do this. Now, again, it's, it all comes back to the intention. So why are you doing this thing? Right. If you're if you're doing a quick little, you know, thing that has no research behind it, that's probably going to be offensive. But man, if you did a whole presentation on the history of 
you know, China in the 1870s, I would want to see that because now you've done the work. You've you've taken me on a journey. Um, I don't have to go there myself back in time. You've gone there for me. So it's it's actually it's informing it. Um, right. And and think about this, too. Uh, we fear what we don't understand. Right. So if we fear what we don't understand and we might make a reductionist comment about what we fear, then it's coming from a bad place automatically. Make mm-hmm. it come from a good place. Make it come from a, a place of love, a place of informed research and devotion to this thing that you're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that just informs the whole presentation itself. I love um, that. So yeah. That, that was a very long answer. But what, what should that. you do and shouldn't you do? Yeah. Yeah. Celebration um, and love. Like for me, I have... I had a place where I worked. I had a woman who come in and she was she grew up Jewish in New York City. So not Brooklyn, but she had a very New York accent. And we spent okay. a lot of time together for an entire year. She would come in three times a week. We would chat. She would teach me Yiddish words. She would just like, she was just, she was, she became my bubby. Like I never had Aww. a bubby, but she was my bubby. And she That's told so me that cool. she's like, I'm your bubby. Okay. Like so yeah. for me, my joy in just like exploring that accent really came from a love of her and the time that we spent together and all the different things that she taught me about skincare and like various, various things that she gave me. So, um, that's so wonderful. Yeah. It's coming from a place of love. And now you turned around and you wanted to make a character that's like an homage. to Yeah. Her. That's so sweet. Absolutely. And, and really. And you have, so, so you have this, the, the sound samples in your head, right? You, I don't think you made actual recordings of her, but, uh, but you have these things that you, that you heard that she did and like, Oh, isn't that interesting? Right. Isn't that that cool? Like, that's not how I personally would make that sound. But I know that she's Jewish from New York and she's my bubby. So I know (laughs) these things kind of fall into a nice little folder that I'll tuck away for later. And you can always add to the folder. The more research you do, the more sounds you hear, you can add to that folder and it's more complete. Like a one page folder would now become a full loose leaf binder, a trapper keeper. Yeah, trapper, trapper keeper. keeper. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, it's it's just and you tuck it away. You know, you don't have to remember it all in your head. You can write it down and you have little files on your computer. Like this is my Jewish Brooklyn file. Yeah. This is my Australian, right? And and that way you don't even have to remember. You can free up your mind. <laughs> Birthdays are tough enough to remember. Just free up your mind to do. But then when you want to go back to that zone, you can hear sounds, you can hear clips, you can get back into read those words and and I always like to use anchor phrases. So anchor phrases is where you have one phrase, let's say, that we create together that has all those sounds in it. Right. So it like brings you back to that place of, yep, this is going to be Irish, right? This is going to be Jewish Brooklyn, right? Mm-hmm. This is going to be Australian. So you want to have a lot of those vocal sounds so that you get right back to that place. And then even if you are about to go on stage, you're like, okay, I have 10 seconds to go on stage. Uh you know, I like to ride my bike in the springtime and that's it. I'm Irish. Right. So that's, that's a phrase that can help you if you're having trouble with your eyes. I love that. An anchor phrase. That's so genius. It keeps you grounded. Mm -hmm. An anchor keeps you grounded. Right. So just like this, you throw the anchor overboard and now you're grounded in Irish and you can't, you or whatever accent it is. And you can't float away to another accent because your anchor is there. Mm -hmm. Grounded. Oh my God. That's so fun. I love that. Um, grounded in a good way. Like sometimes grounded means punished, but yeah. Grounded, grounded in a good you're way. Always, you're in, your feet are touching the ground. You can feel your feet touching the ground. You're not 
kind of floating away to a different, you know, wherever the wind may take you, right. you know where you are. You are a tree. You have roots. You have branches that can reach out and touch and interact. You have leaves. You do photosynthesis. You're helping the world. It's always from a good place of love. You, you're you growing. You're flourishing. Mm-hmm. So that's what trees do. I love that. Oh gosh. <laughs> I'm so curious. Why do people come to you? I mean, I imagine mo- a lot of actors, actresses come to you for different characters that they're working on. But Sure. People come for different reasons, like maybe they're going to move somewhere and new and they want to be able to fit into the culture, that kind of thing. Yeah, I'd say I'd say I get people that come to me, mostly actors, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and also improv and stand up, obviously, if you want to create a sketch or create a project. Yeah. Um, so that's if you want to learn a different accent, right? If you want to be whatever that character is so they would come to me for that i would break it down and say here's here's the rules of the accent and then we do it and then we see where they have been but then the other side is if there's people that want to so think if think about if you're from another country than america and i'm going to paint a scenario for you so i'm i'm from a place not in america you can Mm -hmm. imagine where it is i'm not going to say a name okay but i'm up for a promotion I want to be on the board. I want to be a C-level executive. Mm-hmm. I have a meeting coming up where I have to address the shareholders. And I just, I don't know. I get the feeling that when I speak, I have trouble communicating my message the first time. I really, I have a lot of trouble because I see people give me that look like, um, what? And then I say it again. Maybe I'll even say it slower, but I just feel like they're giving me a look that they don't understand. And that's no good because I have to give a speech for the for the board members. So I really want to be understood the first time. Mm. What is it? What is it about my country that makes it so hard to, to be understood the first time? I mean, I understand English. My grasp of English is great. I just feel like there's something getting in my way of the message. Hey, Jordan, could you find out exactly what that is that's getting in my way and maybe help with that? Mm-hmm. Because I want to be understood the first time. Mm-hmm. So for that, that's a whole different ball than the first example, right? The first example is like, I want to do a character. This is the stakes are pretty low. You know, I'm having fun, but I want to learn this accent for a role. Now, granted, the stakes can be pretty high. This can be for a major network audition for a, a pilot that's happening and it's going to reach millions of households. You know, the stakes are high for that. Sure. Yeah. But but if you walk away from that role, you can still be understood. Your message can still be understood. So if you want to be understood, obviously, in an accent, sure, the first way. But the second way is like now there's there's for your job, for your career, for your advancement, for the message, for the communication. Everyone should have their message communicated the same the same way at the same time. You should only say it once and people should get mm-hmm. it. If you don't say it and, and people don't understand it the first time, that's terrible. I want to fix that. I want to make sure that your message, what you have to say in the world can be understood the first time. So that's the second part when people might come to me because now they want to be understood. I would break down their accent. I would see, okay, this is what's happening. I would have them read a paragraph. We have these wonder, wonderful dialect passages. And the cool thing about them is that they're short paragraphs that have all the sounds in the English language in them. So once you read that, I would say, oh, great. This, that's cool. I hear this thing happening on the T. I hear this thing happening on the TH. I hear that, right? So I would break down as many things. And then I would say, okay, this is interesting because it only happens, again, I come from positivity. I would say, I only notice this thing getting in the way when I hear this and this and this sound. So let's try to, to break that down and see what you could do with the tongue placement, what you could do with the teeth, what you could do with the lips that maybe would help that, what you could do with voicing, mm. 
right? Sometimes it might be a thing as simple as like final consonant voicing is a thing that I that I get a lot. So if you have, if you're saying like pens, buildings, chairs, that one thing, that making of an S into a Z, mm. pens, buildings, chairs, because Americans voice that final consonant. Right. So if you have a job, an American might say, if you had a job, right. that's non-American. But why? Why is that? Because of the voicing. So just adding one thing might bring you back. And I might have a thing where it's like, oh, yeah, only these words it happens on. So let's just take those words and, and see what's happening. So the first step is make you aware. So, oh, great. I didn't even know that I did that. Right. That happens all the mm-hmm. time. I, didn't, I had no idea that I even did that. So that's great. I, I'm so glad that I'm able to afford you that that little trick for this is what's happening i don't know if you're aware the second thing is yeah i'm aware but i need to work on that so at least now you can identify exactly what it is right that's standing in your way that's a wall man either we go around it or we break right through it but we're getting around that wall we're getting past that wall and the third thing is you self-correct so he's like oh yeah i tried this i got it i can do it i think i can do that better Mm -hmm. take a pause do it again and then it'll just get better with repetition. I'm just giving you, it's like a personal trainer. Mm-hmm. Kind of. I'm giving you the form on how to do a hammer curl. And now that you know how to do it, you could just practice at a slow pace, have fun with it. And then before you know it, you'll be, you know, cooking in a skillet with one hand and doing a hammer curl on the other hand, walking and chewing gum at the same time. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's so fun. Oh my gosh. That must be really like very inspiring to get to contribute to people in that way, you know, whether it's actors or people that, you know, it's for their job, but just because it's really, it's also personal growth. Like you're getting to grow and learn about yourself and discover new parts of yourself and break through and have wins. And all of that is so exciting. (laughs) And the wins are just like any goal, right? The the ultimate goal is I want to sound like this, but there's many goals too, because if you come and say, I have a goal to sound British by March, right? Or whatever it is. So that's a goal. And I can help with that because I know exactly why you want to sound that way. I know what role it is. Sometimes we might have a script. What a luxury that is instead of just riffing. Um, But then those goals can be broken down. So, okay, you did great with this sound. Let's, you're, you're done as far as I'm concerned. Let's move on to the sounds that are still getting in your way. But like any goal, that's a way to break it down. You know, little wins are just so valuable. And I like that you said little wins because that's exactly what this mm-hmm. is. And sometimes I'll I'll be, you know, standing on set and someone, you know, we have a line that we're coming to and like they'll totally nail it. And then, yes, you know, I make a little sign on the side and then the director will be like, uh, no, I don't like that. Let's do it again. Like not for the accent, but just for something else. Like the accent was perfect. Let's right. Um, but there was something like a motorcycle went by or something. Um, So then my job there is to tell the script supervisor, okay, just so you know, she really nailed the accent on take A1C, right? right? But in case the take's not good, you can at least tell the editor that the best take with the accent is A1C. And then the editor has an easier time of saying like, okay, well, I'm editing this together. The best take where the lighting was good, the motorcycle didn't come. It was like C28. But I know that the audio from the accent is the best on A1C. So now the script supervisor made that note told the editor and that's how you get a great production wow because you have the best visual take yep and then you'll have the best audio take sometimes it doesn't match up so so like sometimes you just the take was so good that 
they have to keep it in. Like the sunlight was shining perfectly, that everything else was great. There were all these moving parts and everything was great. But the way they said rather sound a little bit like rather. Mm. You know what? At that point, they'll just keep it. And, and unfortunately, the viewers that see that will be like, oh, Jordan's a terrible dialect coach. They said <laughs> rather. But there's all these factors that went into it that you don't know from behind the scenes. Right. So it's always something to keep in mind. Like we do our best. You know, sometimes we don't even get that much time. Sometimes production only has a little bit of time to, to send us to work with the, the people. But if it had happened in the writing process, like I said at the time, mm-hmm. that's the best luxury because now we get to work with that person from the time it's being written, from the time they're memorizing lines in an accent. It's always better than if they've memorized the lines, now we have to take them apart. Now they have to memorize them again a different way. That's harder, I would say. Right. I think it's easier in the beginning if you can just memorize them in the accent. Wow, that's so Rhythm. interesting and cool. And do you get to do that frequently? Or like you're saying, it's not as yeah, frequent. Sure. Sometimes it happens where you get to start with the Yeah, script. yeah. It's, I have a mixed bag. I'm very lucky that I have, I have work in all different kinds of projects. Uh, famous people, non-famous people, on set, ADR, voiceover. I, I do projects now. I mean, everything's on Skype now, but I do things remotely where um, voiceover stuff, you know, where I have to help somebody record lines or sing. I work with singers, so I have to help them. Uh, if it's opera singers, I have to help them hit a certain accent in the language. But even singing, you have to sustain a note, right? Because if you're singing through it, you want to sustain that. Um, but yeah, I've been lucky to work on all kinds of different projects. And I just, that's the thread that all of them have together. I love making projects and putting creativity out into the world. And if I can help create a world with an accent, I am right there. Wow. <laughs> to help you make a, a world and make a project with this accent. That's so, so awesome. It's so cool just to be present to how much you love what you do. And like, kudos to you for really following your passions and what you enjoy. You know, not everyone has the courage to do that or maybe just didn't doesn't know yet what they enjoy so that's just inspiring in itself and then beyond that it's like oh accents oh my gosh it's fun it's so much fun i um and i and i love you know thank you for having me on this show because i loved what you said about the the description of this show you know it's a safe playground to to find your sir thriverhood yes (laughs) and and i like that you know it's really uh not just surviving but thriving yes and uh to to transfer i mean i'm so lucky that i get to do something i love and people pay me what um yeah i would have done it for free <laughs> you know, uh i mean i think it's it's certainly work you know so i think it should be paid but uh i i love that i'm just in a position to do this great work and there's there's not that many of us uh, dialect coaches in the world <laughs> um so and some of us are by location so it's like oh if filming is in la we might take an la one or if it's in new york we might take a new york one but um we're lucky a lot of the stuff can be done remotely now the world is so much smaller with technology but i'm so lucky that i'm able to do this thing that i love and oh and one more thing i should note is that i also love that i do not have all the answers mm-hmm. um, when i first started i really was like oh god i'm afraid what if somebody asked me to do an accent on the spot that i don't know um that's great <laughs> i wish that that happened and and it does happen uh, i was on the instagram live the other day and somebody requested an accent that i wasn't too sure of wow. and so we we went through it and we broke it down i was like okay well what where is that country located 
uh, I'm not going to say the name of it because I want you to, to imagine in your mind that there's a country that you don't know. So where's the country located? Where, where, what's the language? Where does it kind of come from? Where does it kind of sound like? So we can kind of build from there and then we can go back and look at samples. We can look at clips. We can look at stuff that, that we see. And now guess what? That thing that you didn't know is now something that you're exploring. You're getting that love of learning again. You're getting that love of exploring again. If you had all the answers, that'd be so boring. It's like, yep, just do this, 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 done. Right. That's not fun. <laughs> right. Being in a constant state of discovery and curiosity. That's exciting. <laughs> exactly. Oh my gosh. This has been so, so I always love to have people, if you're open to sharing um, what you love to do, to, to connect to your own playfulness, like outside of your passion and what you do for your work? Do you have things, uh, hobbies or things that you do that just kind of keep you oh, built up and inspired absolutely. when you get ready to go back to work? I, I love that. See, I love coming from a place of fun and positivity also, but, but I love that uh, there's so many different things that I love to do that are not accident related <laughs> at all um, whatsoever. I happen to love pinball uh i love barbecue and we do a tradition my wife and i where we go to a, we pick a different barbecue city every year and we go there for my birthday wow and, and my birthday's in september i'm hoping that the flights will be back and everything but uh if it has baseball even better so i've managed to cross a lot of baseball teams off the list but what i do is i go to that city and i say i'm a yankee from new york where's the best barbecue <laughs> uh, and then they tell me and it, just going wherever the river takes you is such a wonderful, you know, like you can look on Yelp and all those other sites and see where the, but, but like, I want to have a hometown local say, yeah, don't even bother with Times Square where you really want to go to it. Right. Because that's the, that's the thing that might lead in the, the internet searches, right. The people that pay for it the most or the people that get the most traffic, but I want that hole in the wall place, that little dive joint that serves the best barbecue and I'm going to go there and take a picture of it and Instagram about it because not only do I get the food, but I get the accents too. Because if I get to say, oh man, tell me about why that's so good. And they'll be like, oh man, you got to get the baked beans, man. That's the best. Oh, they put the little brisket burnt ends in there. Right. So now I'm getting an accent. I'm getting the experience. I'm getting a, just an unfiltered, passionate description of this great food that gave that person a great memory. Now I want to go add that to my memory. Um, so yeah, barbecue trips are always fun. So cool. uh, I love pinball. I love, uh, actually, I, I kind of resonated with what you said on your podcast with Brittany Brave. Uh, you said that that being able to, to laugh at dark stuff is a superpower. I just love that. Love. <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> For so sure. the, darker, the darker kind of comedy, um, it's, it's like so, it's got a different energy to it because it's like, oh my God, should I even be laughing? at a dead body or whatever it is like dark comedy by definition you know it's something dark that you laugh at. yeah but it's true and and to be able to talk about that and laugh about that you can find the funny in anything and i love finding the funny in accent i love finding the funny in life i'm obsessed with stand-up comedy and improv comedy and sketch comedy um because they're taking a relatable thing and they're you can't be good at stand-up without taking something and making it universally relatable right. because if you don't, then it's like, Oh yeah, well you had to be there. My aunt Phyllis. I mean, you, if you don't know my aunt Phyllis, it's not going to make sense, but that, so that that joke would never be on a stage in stand-up because you'd be like, I don't know your aunt Phyllis. <laughs> um, but if you have something relatable, 
it's like now you've connected with strangers and there's such power in that there's such craft in that mm -hmm. by the time you see it on a stand-up stage they've rehearsed it hundreds of times hopefully uh at open mics around the country and and i just i love being able to laugh and i love being able to look at something even if it's dark and just play with that thing it's like what is what is so funny about just a chalk outline and the body mist like the chalk right. outline, or whatever it is just something something funny that it doesn't matter what the topic is there's funny in anything and to be able to find that funny to mine that funny and to turn it into gold to spin it into a yarn of of funny that i have so much respect for that yeah. so i really identify with that it's a practice and also it could be a life practice and if you're a you know a professional stand-up comedian your career practice i like it as a life well, practice because well <laughs> you know life is not always sunshine and sparkles but <laughs> if you can like find a way to be curious in the moments of deep challenge or darkness or whatever you know life is throwing at you that yeah that's where it's like okay i can i can like be here <laughs> i can be human here yeah. it's true yeah. i mean if you get too much sunshine you get sunburn and blisters mm -hmm. and that's no fun and we all know about being covered in glitter so you can't have sparkles all the time. <laughs> um, you need that variety you know um and also music i love music just in general i i grew up a a 90s grunge kid so that was how i learned how to play all my songs on guitar i taught myself guitar because i needed an outlet um to play on my pearl jam and stone temple pilots <laughs> and Alice in Chains. Nice. i'm actually right now one of the hobbies i'm working on is i'm, I'm trying to get the allison chains man in the box solo which is one of the most iconic 90s grunge solos there is wow. i cannot play guitar that well i can't but every day i've been breaking it down in parts and i'm only about uh eight seconds okay in. And the, the solo is like a minute, but I, I've got that first part down. I know how to do it. I know it, but like, I'm not even daunted by what's coming ahead because I'm just thinking, you know what? That's for a week from now. Today, I just have to do my eight seconds. I'm working on that one part, that one part. I just, um, for the last couple of years, I've been doing firsts. So on my Facebook page, I have like another, and whatever the years I say, like another 2019 first, da da da. So uh, when I turned 40, I decided to do all these crazy things I've never done before. I, I got married. I went skydiving. <laughs> I did all these different, like, crazy adventures. Uh, skydiving was over too fast. Uh, so was the marriage, actually. It was just not the marriage, but the wedding. It was over too fast. Um, but I, I like to do all these firsts because it just gets me thinking in a mindset of out of my comfort zone, doing this new thing I've always wanted to try. Let's do it. There's no excuses. Let's just do it. Wow. And now we kind of have a luxury with this quarantine thing um in addition to binge watching all these shows we get to try all these new things we could learn russian we could play piano we could so anyway that was last year's thing was i wanted to learn charlie brown's christmas time is here by the time christmas time got here. <laughs> That's funny. So, like on on you know december 24th on christmas eve i posted a facebook thing and we went to shetler studios and rented a whole room and, and i just played it and just a little clip you know just the beginning but uh, the same thing, I remember that, like struggling mightily with these chords and these piano. I don't even know piano. I played when I was six, but to learn the musical structure of it. And I was so determined to get that goal that I hired a piano teacher. And I was like, we're going to do this. I got the sheet music. Let's do it. I'm serious. I'm, oh there's God. money. There's skin yeah. in the game. So I want to learn it. And I did it. And now that I did it, you know, I play it without even thinking about it. Uh, and I just remember how much I struggled in the beginning to do it. And I'm sure the Alice in Chains solo will be the same thing so jerry cantrell if you're listening you're the man 
I'm trying to learn this. Solo. <laughs> That's awesome. That is so cool. Oh my gosh. Wow. Well, I am so grateful you took time out of your busy schedule to pop on and inspire us all and share with us about your love and passion for dialect and accent and language. And it's so <laughs> what a gift, what a gift. And if you guys are listening, I will make sure to include um, Jordan's website in the description, his Instagram page and any other links that you want to share. Um, and you are doing daily or you might not do daily, but you're doing um, at 5 p.m. New York City time. You're popping on Instagram live to just play with people, play with accents. Yeah. Do you want to say anything about that? Or is there anything else that yeah, you want people to know about that's coming up, like classes or things like that? Yes, I am going to be doing another class at the pit. My intro to accents for improv class. We just have to pick a date, cool. um, but that's coming up soon. So you can check the pit website for that. Um, but yeah, I, I love just I started this thing on Instagram because I, I think that we could use some silliness right now. And accents are one way that I could definitely help with everyone's mm -hmm. silly. Um, but even if you just want to come on with a character like you did and play around, I, I would love that. And it's part it's part uh, the isolation can get to you. You know, you, you the cabin fever can get to you. So to see another human face is so wonderful and so enriching uh on both sides right not just for me but for hopefully you guys too and so i wanted to have this nice free way to just come and play with accents and um yeah come join me whenever you want accent on jordan 5 p.m every day i don't know if i'm going to do it every day uh forever yeah. but for now i'm doing it every day just to see what happens yeah. and we picked 5 p.m as an arbitrary time because i felt like oh it's quitting time <laughs> America, uh east coast time but yeah, there's been some people that have joined from all over the place. Right. So, I love that. Different times it's so time. fun. Thank you. I mean, what a massive gift. It's such a fun gift. And actually, it's funny. My friend um, Rose, which is Roos, I guess maybe Roos, she's in Amsterdam, maybe. She popped on. I shared okay. with her that you were doing it. And she popped on the other day, like right before you were logging off. So I was like, oh, my gosh. Oh, cool. man. So I'll tell her to pop on again, you know, earlier. Yeah. Yay. Fun. That'd be great. And yeah, thank you so much for doing this because the I on each one of your episodes it's a different category of someone that's finding their survivor. Survivorhood. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Or already found it or continuing. It sounds like you have found it, but you continue to create it, which is doubly inspiring. Like it's like not something that just happens once. Like you continue to you know, find joy and creativity and curiosity and like move towards that and move towards the things that scare you or are just like exciting. So thank you for illustrating that yeah. for us. That's so awesome. Uh -huh. Well, thank you for having me. Yeah, it's always changing for everyone. And just go out and find yours, you know, get your piece of the pie. Yeah, I love that. Is there any last like word of inspiration or it could be one word or a statement or your favorite quote or anything that you want to share? It could be silly too. Like it's anything. I would just say, I would just say never stop playing. Never stop playing because when we're kids, we get to play as much as we want. And then it gets cut to a recess time and then in school you never find your play but just when you're an adult you're working and then, but just never stop playing there's play everywhere mm -hmm. so keep playing never stop playing cheers to that <laughs> thank you jordan and for all the listeners out there go to the description check out the links and we'll see you next time bye, bye. take care 
Hello, everyone. I'm really excited today to introduce you to Jordan Yanko. He is a dialect coach who can teach you to sound believable in any accent you wish. Whether you've mastered dozens of accents or are learning the skill for the first time, he will meet you where you are and help you find the shortest route to success. He believes accents should be accessible to everyone, no matter your background or experience. He is an active member of the Voice and Speech Trainers Association, Linguistic Society of America, and the American Dialect Society. His guilty pleasures include stand-up comedy and improv, 90s grunge karaoke, BBQ, and New Jersey Devils hockey. He swears he watches MTV's Teen Mom and TLC's 90 Day Fiance solely for the accent research. This is a really fun episode, you guys. Enjoy it. <laughs> 